Amen. Amen. Well, thank you again for being here. Uh, again, if I haven't gotten a chance to know you, my name is Travis. Uh, just a little bit about me. Uh, for those that I haven't met, I'm married to my wife, Kendra, back there. We've been married for 12 years. Uh, we've got three kids, uh, Zayden, who will be six next month, Livy, who's five and a half, and then our newest addition, Myla, uh, who is eight months old back there. Um, and uh, I just want to let you know, this is, uh, I'll probably share more about this at some point, but being here, uh, right here in this moment at this time with you, uh, it, it, is, it is a truly, it's an answer to prayer. Um, it's something that the Lord uh, started leading us on uh, years ago, um, and, and I knew this day was coming at some point, uh, but it was all in His timing. And uh, as we were praying uh, at the beginning of this year, as we felt the Lord kind of say, all right, Travis, it's time to, it's time to step out and, and see the next thing I have for you. Uh, there were certain things that we were praying for and asking the Lord for in our next church, and uh, the church at Haynes Creek, I mean, it just checks uh, all of those boxes, and it's just so kind of the Lord uh, to allow me to be here. It really is a joy, uh, an honor, and a privilege uh, to start out as your pastor. Um, and just so you know, uh, if you weren't here last week, uh, one of our elders, Lee Parker, led us in the conclusion of our time in the Gospel of Luke. And Pastor Tom uh, did a phenomenal job leading the church through that. Uh, Lee did a great job concluding that time. So we are starting a new series today. And as you saw on the screens, this is what we're calling it, uh, The Church, The Gospel Made Visible. Uh, it's a title that I stole from a Mark Dever book uh, because I really liked it. And I think that's a perfect description of the church. As we gather as the church, as the people of God, and, and how we act, how we worship, what we say and do when we gather should make the gospel visible and tangible to all those that are coming. We should make the gospel visible to one another. We should make the gospel visible to those who are joining us uh, from the community. So this is what we're doing. This is why we're calling it that. Um, and really what this is, is it's a time, we're going to spend a lot of time. So I, I said a few weeks, um, and, and really it's like 14 or 15 weeks. So it's going to carry us uh, for three months. And what we're going to do is we're going to uh, really dig into key passages about the church. We're going to see what the Bible has to say about the church, what we're supposed to be, what we're supposed to be about. We're going to dig into these key passages and really lay the foundation and the groundwork for who we're supposed to be as a church at Haynes Creek as we launch out on our own in the new year. So that's what we're going to be doing over the next many, many weeks, three months or so, 14, 15 weeks. We're going to be digging into these key passages. Uh, just so you guys know a little bit about my preaching style, just kind of what to expect uh, when you come on a Sunday morning. Uh, I love the Bible. I love the Word of God. I love digging deep into the Word of God. There's so much beauty and truth and goodness. If we just uh, take the time to dig in, uh, it, it is just so wonderful. So we're going to spend a lot of time in the Bible. Uh, I love the Bible. I want to base everything that we say and do on the Word of God. And, and part of that is selfish. And I'll just admit it's selfish because what James chapter 3 says is that teachers are held accountable by God for what they say and do. So I know at some point I'm going to stand before our holy, eternal, perfect God, and he's going to say, Travis, what did you tell my people? And at that moment, I want to say your, your words. I, 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 I did this. I said this. I tried as much as possible, as much as depend on me, to give them your truth, your words, and not my own. So we're going to spend a lot of time in the Bible. And what that's going to look like uh, a lot of times is us going verse by verse through books of the Bible. We're going to get into the detail, into the nitty-gritty. We're going we're gonna to zoom in real close. And then other times we might, we might zoom out and get a, try to get a little larger picture of the Bible because everything we see in Scripture, it's all telling the same story. 
From the Old Testament to the New Testament, it's all telling us about Jesus Christ and how he's come to rescue the world. So we're going to zoom out, we're going to zoom in, and there's going to be times like what we're doing over the next 15 weeks where it's more theological work, where we're digging into to theological truths uh, to see what the Word of God has to say about that. And that's what we're doing with this new series. We're going to be digging into the theology of the church over the next few weeks. Theologians call this ecclesiology. If you've heard that term before, that's exactly what it means. It's the study and the knowledge of the church. So to do that, we're going to start at the beginning. We're going to start at the very first mention of the church in your New Testament, and that is found in Matthew chapter 16. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Matthew chapter 16. We're going to be hanging out in verses 13 through 20 this morning. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, we have some on the back table here. Uh, feel free to grab that. If you don't own a Bible, uh, please take that as our gift to you today. We'd love to send that home with you. Uh, but if you do have your Bibles with you, and you can always follow along on the screens behind me as well. Uh, but Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 20. And just to kind of give you some context as to what's going in this passage, I don't like just kind of parachuting in somewhere without context and understanding what's happening. So in this part of the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew is writing about the identity of Jesus. He's showing us very clearly who Jesus is. So when you come to Scripture, what the Bible tells us is that every word is inspired by God himself. So as the human authors were writing, they were writing the very specific literal words of God that God would have them. And that doesn't go just for the words that were written. It goes to how they organized their books. And I'm sure you were familiar with this when you were going through the Gospel of Luke. You see that there's, there's certain parables and stories that are batched together to tell a singular topic and a singular theme. So that's what's going on with Matthew. And these verses preceding and after in this section, it's all about Jesus' identity. So Matthew gives uh, these specific accounts of miracles and healings that Jesus does. We see here, we, we see Peter clearly proclaiming the identity of Jesus as the Christ. And it all culminates in Matthew 17 with Jesus on the Mount of Olives uh, with his three closest friends, Peter, James, and John, in the, what's called the Transfiguration, where they see just, just a glimpse of his glory and his deity and that he is truly God. So that's just, you know, to provide some context as to what's happening when we come to Matthew 16. So let me read that for us and then we'll, we'll dig in and see what the Lord has for us today. So Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse 13, it says this. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do the people say that the son of man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Verse 15, and he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And we'll come back to this at the end, but that is the most important question anybody in the world can answer. Who do you say Jesus is? So Jesus looks at his disciples, but, but who do you say that I am? And look at, look at Peter's answer here, verse 16. Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, or Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. What that means is, is Peter didn't just come up with this stuff on his own. He didn't just magically one day just go, oh, you're, you're the Christ. It wasn't his doing. What does Jesus say here? It wasn't by flesh and blood. It wasn't you that did this, but my Father who is in heaven. So God himself revealed this truth to Peter. And he continues, verse 18, And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. 
I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. Okay, so there's a lot going on in this passage, but I want to narrow our focus. What we're going to focus on here is what Jesus has to say about the church. And we're going to spend a lot of time just breaking down verse 18 here. And the main point, the main idea that I want you to grasp, you hear nothing else today, I hope that you get this. This key truth that's going to guide the rest of our time is this. The main idea. The church is built upon Jesus and his word. The church is built upon Jesus and his word. That means that everything we do as a church, the church at Haynes Creek, everything we do should be built on that foundation of Jesus and his word. How we make decisions, what decisions we make and don't make, what we do and don't do, it all flows from this truth that Jesus builds his church on him and his word. So the church is built upon Jesus and his word. And I want to spend the rest of our time talking about what this specifically means for us as the church at Haynes Creek. What is this truth that Jesus builds his church on him and his word? What does that mean for us? Well, there's four things from this passage that we learn about the church being built upon Jesus and his word. The first one is this, that real simple, Jesus builds his church. Jesus builds his church. He says in verse 18, I will build my church. Who will build it? Jesus. Jesus will build his church. He's the one that builds. He doesn't leave it up to us. Praise the Lord. Doesn't leave it up to us to just figure out what we're doing, right? He's the one that builds his church. He is the one sovereign over everything that happens in his creation, and that includes what happens with the church at large and what the church right here for us, the church at Haynes Creek. Jesus is in charge of it. He's the one that builds this thing. And look, this this is a promise from Jesus. This is a promise. And when Jesus promised something, when God promises something in Scripture, it's a guarantee. It's not, well, I wonder if he will, I wonder if he won't. No, it is a done deal. It's a guarantee from Jesus that he will build his church. Well, we know this from church. He's been doing this for 2,000 years, right? He's not going to all of a sudden stop today. He's not going to stop with us. He will build his church So more practically, what does that truth mean for us? What does it mean for us as the church in Haynes Creek? What does it mean that he will build his church? Well, the first thing we need to be clear on is what is Jesus building? When he says, I will build my church, what's he talking about? When Jesus says he will build his church, he's talking about building disciples. He's talking about his people. That's what the church is. The church is not a building. The church is not a place. The church is the people of God gathering together to worship him. So when Jesus says, I'm going to build my church, he's talking about building disciples. And look, if we just jump down a few verses in Matthew 16, we'll see he's very clear about what discipleship is and what that means. Look at this, Matthew 16, starting in verse 24. What is a disciple for Jesus? Jesus says this, then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, if anyone would follow me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would, lose, would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? See, when Jesus says, I will build my church, this is what he's talking about. This is what he means when he says, I will build my church. He's not promising that he's going to build a building. You can have church without a building, right? You've been doing it for five years. 
You don't need a building to have a church. Those are nice. Those are awesome. Praise God for them. That'd be great. But that's not what he promises. He doesn't promise that I'm going to build you a church building. He doesn't promise us that he's going to build awesome small groups or a great discipleship ministry. He's not promising that he's going to build an amazing kids ministry or great first impressions or a social media platform. All of those things, especially like, yeah, we should have a great kids ministry. We should have a good first impression as we welcome people into our church. Those are good things. You can use social media. I know it's as crazy as it seems, you can actually use it for the good work of the Lord. Um, I'm still maybe a little out on that. I'm not totally sold on that idea, but I think you can. I think you can do it. But that's not what he's promising. He's not promising to build a place where you just come and hang out with your friends. He's not promising to build a place that's just going to make you comfortable and just encourage you, you know what, you just keep doing whatever you want to do. You just keep doing and living the life. Whatever you want to do, it's all good with us. As long as you're comfortable, as long as you're happy. That's not what he promises. He promises to build his church. He promises to build disciples. And when we talk about building a church, when we talk about following Jesus and his work of building the church, this is what we're about. We're we're about building disciples. He's building. What Jesus wants to do, what he wants to do here is he wants to build a group of people gathering together, worshiping in his name, ready to lose their lives for him and his mission. That's what Jesus is working towards. That's where he's going. And that's what we want to be about. So when Jesus says, I will build my church, this is what he's talking about. The second thing we, we can take from this practical application, uh, what this means, that Jesus will build his church, it means that he's the lead pastor. He's the boss. He's the guy in charge of all of this. He's the chief shepherd, and we're just supposed to follow him wherever he leads us. When, uh, when we started um, you know, prayerfully considering the Lord leading us to take this next step in, in ministry, uh, we didn't tell our kids right away, so we started this process, really felt the Lord leading us uh, at the beginning of this year to kind of step out in faith and just kind of see what he would have for us. So I, I started sending out resumes. I mean, I, I cast a wide net, just, you know, I believe God's sovereign, and he, he can lead us wherever he wants to lead us. I was like, all right, Lord, do your thing. I'll go wherever you want to take me. So we started doing that, and I had no long this process was going to take, so we didn't let our older kids know about it uh, because I really didn't want them going around to my last church uh, going, hey, my dad's looking for a new place to pastor. Didn't want that to happen, uh, so we didn't tell them, and they just, you know, as you know with little kids, they'll just repeat everything you say. Whatever you say at home, just know if you've got kids in school, preschool, just know parents, that gets told to their teacher. It's just a, a one-on-one, like one-for-one transfer. Whatever you say gets told to them, okay? So just keep that in mind. Uh, so we didn't want them just, you know, talking to anybody about this. So we didn't tell them until, uh, if you guys were here on that Saturday when we came down and got to hang out with you uh, on the 18th and 19th, we didn't tell them until the day before that uh, what was kind of happening. Um, and one of the things, just so you know, with, with our kids um, at their age, the older two, um, they, you know, they can tend to be a little bossy with each other. I don't know if you've experienced this with kids. Um, but but they, can t- they, they like to tell the other one what to do. And the other one loves to respond with, you're not the boss of me. You can't tell me what to do. You're not the boss. I mean, we try to let them know, yeah, yeah mommy and daddy are the boss. You guys got to listen to us. Like, that's a, you don't have to listen to each other. You got you to listen to us, though. So they're very aware of, like, who's the boss of everybody. Um, so they would love to ask me, you know, when I'm, when I'm going to work or whatever at my last church, they're like, daddy, who's your boss? They'd love to ask that question. I'll go, well, well my boss is our lead pastor, Pastor Anson McMahon. That, that's daddy's boss. Um, so that's kind of the framework that they kind of had with our lead pastor is he was daddy's boss. All right, so, you know, 
context for that background, jumped ahead to when we're telling them, hey, you know, daddy is, is going to be taking a new job and a new church, Lord willing, you know, hopefully uh, this is where we're going. Um, this is what we're doing. Daddy's going to be the lead pastor, like Pastor Anson is the lead pastor of our church. Daddy's going to be the lead pastor of this new church. Um, and Zayden, like full on, he got it. He was like, oh, that means daddy's going to be the boss. Daddy, he, he's like, daddy, you're going to be the boss. And before I could correct him, Libby jumps in and goes, nuh-uh. No, nah, daddy's not going to be the boss. And he was like, what do you mean? Of course daddy's going to be the boss. She goes, no, God's the boss. I was like, there you go. Parenting win. Praise the Lord. I'm discipling my kids. I won't tell you about the other times where that totally blows up. Uh, just focus on that good story. Um, but she totally got it. She clearly, no, daddy's not the boss. God's the boss. And amen to that. Yes and amen. That's what this is about. We are following Jesus here. We are making this all about Jesus. It's all about his vision, his plan for the church at Haynes Creek. Not mine, not our elders, not yours. Jesus, he's the lead pastor. He's the one leading us. He's the one that we are to walk in faithful obedience to. And here's what that means. Here's what that means. It means that, that he's in charge. He's the one leading us, and it's not going to survive unless he does this, right? Like, if it's up to us, it, if it's up to me, this, this ain't going to work. I'm just going to tell you right now, it's, it's not going to go anywhere. This has to be a work of the Lord. This has to be Jesus leading the charge here and us following him. So what that means is we have to take, what we're supposed to do is we're, we're supposed to take all of our plans, all of our good ideas, all of our preferences, all of the ways that we want to see ministry happen here. We, we take all of our stuff, however good it might be, and we lay it down at the feet of Jesus. See, our job is Jesus is the lead pastor. He's the chief shepherd. As we follow him, our job is to come to him with open hands and say, do with us as you please. Lead us wherever you want to take us, however you want to take us, and we're going to follow you. And sometimes that, that means us saying no to some really good things, Right? Sometimes it means us laying down some of our really good ideas and preferences because Jesus has something different for us. I can tell you right now, when Jesus has something different, what that means is it's better. His ways are always better. So we're going to come to him and say, do with us as you please. Jesus will build his church. That's the first thing we need to know. Jesus will build his church. Second thing, Jesus builds the church on his word. Jesus builds the church on his word. Look again at verse 18. Jesus says to Peter, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. So what, when Jesus says on this rock he's going to build his church, what's he talking about there? What rock is he talking about? Is it Peter? Is Peter the rock that he's talking about? Well, it can't just be Peter, right? No, it can't just be on him. He plays a significant role. Peter is a major leader in the early church. But it's not just on Peter. It has to be more than just Peter here. So what does Jesus mean when he says, this rock, what's he talking about? Well, again, there's lots of opinions out here. I'll just tell you what I believe. I believe that the rock that Jesus will build his church on is the truth of Peter's confession. The truth of, uh, of what Peter says about Jesus. When, when Jesus says, who do you say I am? And Peter responds with, you're the Christ. Which means you're the Messiah. You're the Savior. You are the Son of God. That's the rock that he's going to build his church on. That is the rock that he is building upon, the rock of his word, of his truth, of his gospel message. That's the rock. 
And there's another place uh, in the Gospel of Matthew, actually, where Jesus talks about building on a rock. And he says this in, in Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 24. This is the end of the Sermon on the Mount. He says this, Matthew 7, verse 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. So Jesus says when, when, when we are building his church, this is what he's talking about, we're, we're building it on the rock of his word. He says, if you walk in faithful obedience, if you hear my words and you do them, it's like building your house on the rock. And when we don't listen, when we do things our way, when we do what we want to do and we don't follow Jesus, we're building our house on the sand. I don't know about y'all, but, but I, I love the beach. Our family loves the beach. I grew up in South Florida. Um, so like this morning when it's like 40 degrees outside, I'm putting on my winter jacket. Like honestly, anything below 70 is cold for me, um, just so y'all understand. Uh, so it was freezing this morning. I don't, and I believe firmly that cold is a result of the fall, okay? I don't believe there's any cold weather in the Garden of Eden. I believe it was perfect and wonderful heat and there was no cold. But anyways, that's just Travis's understanding of things. Yeah, I can be wrong on that. Um, but I grew up in South Florida. I love the beach. Love going to the beach. Our kids love going to the beach. And, and if you, you've been to the beach, you know that sand does not make for a good building material, right? Like our kids will build a sandcastle. No matter how big and how awesome and how, how much they pack into that, all it takes is their brother or sister coming by and smashing it down. All they got to do is step on it and it's gone. All the wave has to do is come up and, it, and it's washed away. Sand is not a good foundation. And Jesus says sand is when we don't listen to him, when we don't follow him. That's not a good foundation. The word of God is to be our rock. It's to be our foundation. It is to be our guide. It is to lead us in all things. Uh, last weekend, we, we took our kids up uh, to North Hall County, Jaymore Farms. I don't know if you've heard of that or not, but uh, Jaymore Farms is a really cool place. And in the fall, they have, you know, the pumpkin patch. They've got the, the corn maze. They've got a bunch of fall games, things like that. Uh, so we like to take our kids there and have fun. So we did that. Uh, and they, they really wanted to go into the corn maze. And I was like, okay, sure, let, let's go into the corn maze. And, and at the beginning of the corn maze, they're passing out these maps. And I'm like, okay, cool, Matt, that, that's awesome, that's helpful. I take it, I put it in my pocket, I don't look at it. Um, because the kids are like, Dad, I'm, I, we're, gonna, we're gonna lead us in the corn maze. And I was like, okay, sounds good. That's, a, I, again, terrible idea. But uh, they, they wanted to lead us into the corn maze and they were like, I was like, okay, sure, let, let's do this. I'll let you guys decide where we wanna go. Uh, Y'all wanna turn there? Yeah, sounds great. In my head, I'm thinking, it doesn't matter because I got a map and, and it'll get us out of here. Here. Again, I didn't look at the map. So we get, you know, into the middle of the corn maze or what I think to be the middle and, and we're just, we're lost. We're lost in the corn maze and all of a sudden they're like, all right, we're done with the corn maze. We're ready to go on to the next thing. And I'm like, okay, cool. Let me pull out the map and we'll get out of here. And I pull out the map and y'all, I'm not, I'm not kidding when I tell you this. It was the worst map I've ever seen. <laughs> Terrible and completely unhelpful. I'm looking at it, I'm like, this, this is garbage. This is, this is not helpful at all. I can do nothing with this. And they're looking at me like, dad, get us out of here. We're ready to go. And I'm like, well, y'all got me lost. Actually, that's my fault because I told you to just go wherever you wanted to. So now this is back on me. And I'm like, all right, we're just going to keep walking and we're going to pray and the Holy Spirit's going to guide us and lead us out of here. And, and thankfully, in his goodness, he did. Uh, we finally made it out. We weren't stuck for days in there like I was concerned about. Uh, but that map was useless. 
And then when we, when we try, to, follow, when we try to, to do whatever we want to do, when we make things about us, when we, when we take things outside of the word of God and we try to do stuff on our own, it's just like following a map that leads us nowhere. That's what it looks like when we follow our own ideas, our own wants, our own desires apart from the word of God. So for us as a church, we, we want to follow God's word, right? We, we want to build upon this rock. So what, is, what does God want from the church at Haynes Creek? What, what are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to be about? The good news, it's right here. It's right here. He doesn't leave it to us to figure out what we're supposed to do and what we're supposed to be about. Our job is to follow his word. It's to follow this rock. It's to follow this wherever he leads us. So that means everything from preaching to kids ministry to discipleship to worship, it is all going to flow from the truths found in God's word. Like, here's my commitment to you. As much as it depends upon me, as much as it depends on me, every time we gather, we're going to dig deep into this rock. We're going to dig deep into God's word, and we're going to make much of Jesus. Every decision that we make, every direction that we go off of, it is going to be based on this foundation. It's going to be based on the word of God. That's what we're to be about. So my hope for the church at Haynes Creek is that we would be a church that is all about Jesus and his word. All about Jesus and his word. My prayer is that when, they, when the community hears the words of the church at Haynes Creek, they immediately think, man, that church is all about Jesus and his word. That's what I want us to be about. That's the foundation that we're laying here. This is, we are to be a church that is all about Jesus and his word. So Jesus builds his church. He builds it upon his word. And the third thing, Jesus will protect and complete his church. Jesus will protect and complete his church. Look at verse 18 again. I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So we already saw a promise from Jesus that he's going to build his church, and here's the second part of that promise, is the gates of hell will not prevail against against it. And look, what we're, what we're meant to get from that statement is that in some way, the gates of hell are, are attacking. They're, they're coming against God's church, Jesus's church. They're coming against it. And what Jesus says is when they come against it, they're not going to prevail. They're not going to succeed. They're not going to win. But the truth is that, that we do have an enemy, right? We have an enemy, Satan, who is always coming after us. He's always attacking. And look, here's what we know. Satan hates what's happening here. He hates that we're launching out on our own in this new work of the gospel. He hates that we're planning a church in an area that desperately needs the truth of Jesus Christ. He hates it, and he wants to do everything to disrupt and disband what's going on. He wants us to fail. He wants us to blow up in our faces. He's trying to do that every step of the way. And look, if we're honest... And I hope that, you know, this, you know hope, hopefully this is a safe place for all of us here. Hopefully that, that's the goal. Um, if it's not, I'm just going to take a risk and hopefully we'll make it a safe place. Uh, but let's be honest for a second. Let's be real. Sometimes it feels like he's winning. Sometimes it feels like the gates of hell are prevailing. Look, church life can be difficult. Again, let's be honest. Let's be real. Church life can be difficult because what happens with the church? He takes a bunch of people who have put their faith in Jesus, but, but 
what? We, we still struggle with our sin every single day, right? I'll be the first to admit that. I'll just speak for myself. I struggle with sin every single moment of every single day. We all still struggle in many ways. So Jesus takes a bunch of sinners with the church and he dumps us into one group and he's like, all right, here you go. Get in each other's lives. Gather regularly. Be open and honest and vulnerable with each other. And if you've had a friendship or a relationship in any way, shape, or form with another individual, you know that when two sinners are in a relationship with each other, stuff's going to get messy. It's going to get messy. It's going to get sticky. Feelings can get hurt relationships can be broken apart. But the church is no different. The church is no different. And not only does he take a bunch of saved sinners and put them together, but then he tells all of us saved sinners to go out into a community of unsaved sinners and say, hey, y'all come in too. Y'all come in too. So not only do we have saved sinners, we've got a bunch of other sinners coming in, joining us, and that's just mess upon mess upon mess, right? Just waiting to happen. And look, I, you know, I, I hope that you know, I'm not shattering any glass here with this, but yeah, as much as I love this place, this is not a perfect church, okay? And if it was, guess what? You hired an imperfect pastor. Sorry. Sorry to break the bad news for you, but I struggle just as much as anybody else. I love how Spurgeon puts it. We as Christians are just one beggar telling other beggars where to get food. That's what we're doing here. So church life can be difficult. It can be hard. Again, feelings can get hurt. Relationships can be on the verge of breaking, it can feel like the gates of hell are prevailing, but in those moments, in those moments of strife and difficulty and putting up with each other, because sometimes that's just what we got to do. We just got to put up with each other sometimes. In those moments, we got to remind ourselves of this promise. We got to remind ourselves of the truth that the gates of hell will not and cannot prevail against us. Those gates are nothing when they come up against Jesus and his word. So Jesus promises that the attacks of the enemy will ultimately fail. And we can trust that Jesus will protect and complete his work. Look, if this is of Jesus, if this work at the church at Haynes Creek, is this, if this is of Jesus, this is from him and he's doing the work, we can trust that he's going to protect and complete this work. We can trust that. And all we're supposed to do, our job is to faithfully depend on him. Amen. And again, just come with open hands and say, wherever you lead us, Jesus, we're going. Paul, when he writes to the, the church at Philippi in his, in his letter, the letter of, of Philippians, he starts out his letter uh, with this encouragement to the church. And, and a lot of times uh, there's a verse, verse 6, that, that's often applied to us individually as Christians. And I think it's, it's great to do that. I think it absolutely does apply to us individually. But I think there's also a, a corporate application because Paul's not just writing to individuals. He, he's writing to a church. And this is what he says, verse 3. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, in verse 6, here it is. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Amen. If this is of Jesus, he's going to protect and he's going to complete his church. He who began a good work will bring it to completion. So let's depend on Jesus. We're not going to let Satan Get a foothold here. We're going to work through the mess. We're going to work through the hurt feelings. We're going to bear with one another. We're going to forgive and love each other. Because this is what the church is. And we're going to walk in faithfulness. 
to Jesus and trust him to protect and complete the work of Haynes Creek. So Jesus builds his church. He builds his church on his word. He promises to protect and complete his work. And for what we'll end here for the day, Jesus uses his people to build his church. He uses his people to build his church. Look at verse 19. Jesus says this. He's talking to Peter. He says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Makes sense, right? We're good. We don't need to talk about that anymore. Everybody on the same page. We understand. What's he talking about here? I don't know about you, but I don't use the language of binding and loosing in my everyday language. I don't think I've ever used that unless I'm reading these passages in scripture where it talks about that. But I don't know about I'm like, yes, Kendra, I bound this today while I was out and about. I, I loosed that, okay? But like nobody talks like that. So what, what is he saying here? When he's talking about the keys of the kingdom and binding and loosing, what is Jesus talking about? Well, both of those concepts, keys of the kingdom and binding and loosing, those are symbols of authority. They're symbols of authority. And so what, what Jesus is doing, when, when he's telling Peter, when he says, Peter, I'm giving you the keys of the kingdom, and whatever you bind and whatever you loose, what he's doing is he's extending authority to Peter. And we know that this doesn't just apply to Peter, because in Matthew chapter 18, a passage that we're going to look at at some point, I have to look at my schedule, it's either December or January, I don't know, we'll get there at some point, um, but Matthew 18, Jesus extends that same language to all of his disciples and the church. He says, the church, whatever you bind, whatever you lose. He uses the same language to the church. So by extension, this applies to us too. So Jesus is extending to the church, to his followers, some kind of authority. So what's he talking about here? When Jesus says the keys of the kingdom, by keys, he's talking about entrance into God's kingdom entrance into the kingdom of God. And how does one enter the, the kingdom of God? How does one come into the kingdom of God? It's through Jesus and his word. Amen. It's through Jesus and his word. It's through his gospel. It's the confession of Peter. Amen. We put our faith in Jesus, the Christ, the risen savior. We are welcomed into his kingdom. Amen. So God has given us the keys to the kingdom, which means he's given us the authority and the call to show people how to come in to invite others into the kingdom of God. When we, when we share the gospel with our neighbors, with our coworkers, with our friends and family, when we share the gospel, we in, invite others to church with us, we're, we're, we're doing what Jesus called us to. We're, 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 have, we're being given the keys of the kingdom, and, and we're inviting people into the kingdom of God. That's what we're doing. Every time we share the gospel, every time we invite somebody to church with us, we are inviting people into the kingdom of God. And this is something we are all called to do. We're going to talk about this in a couple weeks when we talk about the Great Commission. But this is what we're all called to do. All right, so that's the keys of the kingdom. It's inviting people into the kingdom. It's showing people how to get into the kingdom of God. So what's he talking about when he says binding and loosing? When he talks about binding and loosing, this is a, a, a Jewish way, a rabbinical way of referring to things that are acceptable and things that aren't acceptable. So when he talks about binding and loosing, that's what he's talking about here. So he's, he's giving Peter, he's given his disciples, he's given the church, he's given you and I authority here to clearly communicate what is acceptable and what's not acceptable in the kingdom of God. And again, how do we know what's acceptable and not acceptable? It's right here. The word of God. This is the authority we've given is to clearly communicate, here's what life in the kingdom looks like. When we follow Jesus, here's what this means. 
Here's what it looks like to walk in faithfulness. Here's what it looks like to repent and confess our sins. This is what it looks like to follow Jesus. This is what is acceptable and not acceptable. Now, what's the point of all this? What's the point of everything that's going on here? What's the point of this authority? The point is that Jesus calls us, his people, to partner with him in building his church. That's what he's doing. He's extending authority to us to say, I'm doing this work, but I'm inviting you into it. How crazy is that, y'all? He takes a bunch of of broken sinners like you and I and says, I'm going to use you to build my church. This is the work we've been called to. And look, something you should know about my theology, the way I interpret scripture, the way I understand the word of God, is I have a high view of God's sovereignty. High view of God's sovereignty. What that means is, is I believe that God is in control and over every single thing that happens in and with his creation. Even things that, that seem insignificant and minute, God is all in those details. Like the silly example I use of this is, is God was not surprised that I put on this shirt this morning. God wasn't surprised by that. He was sovereign over that decision. He's sovereign over everything. So here's what that means. Here's what I believe that means for you and I. It's not by accident that you're here. It's not by accident that you got connected to this church, the church at Haynes Creek. It's not by accident for those of you that that got started in the early days, years ago. It's not by accident that you've carried through to this moment. It is not by accident that you are here at this moment in the church because God has, has chosen to place each and every one of you, no matter where you're at, no matter, you know, young married, single, been married for a long time, no kids, little kids, grown kids, whatever it is, he's brought each and every one of us here for this moment. He's brought us here for this moment in the life of this church. God has placed you here to help build his church. This is the work he's called us to. So church, let's do it. Let's build his church. Let's build it according to his ways. Let's lay the foundation upon him. Let's be a church that is all about Jesus and his word. And look, that's what these next several weeks are all about. That's what the next, you know, 14, 15 weeks, however long we're going to be in this. That, that's what this is all about. It's laying a foundation for who we're supposed to be. What are we supposed to be about? How do we be a church that is built upon the foundation of Jesus and his word? So I hope you'll continue with us as we look ahead, as we're excited about launching out on our own in the new year. This is what we're all building towards. Let's be a church that is all about Jesus and his word. As we wrap up our time today, I just want to end by remembering what has ultimately brought us here together. How is the church formed? How is the church brought together? It's because of Jesus' gospel. It's because of what he does in the gospel. As Peter confesses, Jesus is the Christ. He's the Messiah. He's the Savior. And what that means is, is what the gospel tells us is that, is that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And it's through his death that our sin and the wrath that our sin has stored up that he takes all of that. He takes all of that 
He dies in our place, and not just that, not only does he die in our place, but, but, but through the cross, through his death and resurrection, Jesus defeated death, hell, and the devil by rising from the dead three days later. That's the gospel. And, and through faith in him, we find forgiveness, we find love, we find full approval and acceptance, not based on anything that I've done, not based on anything that you've done. It is only based on Jesus and his work. This is true salvation. When we put our faith in Jesus, he gives us the promise of eternal life to be spent with him in complete perfection. And another promise he gives us is that when he saves us, when he rescues us from our sin, he adopts us into his family. He makes us his son or daughter and he unites us with brothers and sisters all across the globe. That's the church. When he saves us, we're brought into a family. We're brought into God's family. So this is why we gather. This is why we come. This is why we sing. This is why we dig into God's word. It's all because of what Jesus has done for us. So for those of you in here that, that maybe that's not you. Maybe you're here and you've never put your faith in Jesus I just want to go back to Jesus' question to his disciples. Who do you say that Jesus is? Who do you say that he is? Like I said, that, that's the most important question anyone could ever answer. Who do you say that Jesus is? So what the Bible tells us is that Jesus is exactly who he claimed to be. That he is God. That he is the Christ, that he is our one and only Savior, and that by faith in him, and faith in the one who died for you, who gave his life for you, we can have life. By faith in him, we are rescued, we are redeemed, we are made new, and we are brought into his family. And Christ is inviting you into his family. And if you're here and you've never, never done that, all you have to do Real simple, you just put your faith in Jesus. In a moment, I'm going to pray. The band's going to lead us in a couple more songs, and we'll end for today. And, and if that's you, if you want to put your faith in Jesus, I want to encourage you during this moment, you don't have to say special words. There's not a certain you know, script that you have to follow to do this. All you got to do is tell Jesus what you believe right now. And that's Jesus, you're my Savior. I can't save myself, and I want to follow you. Well, if you do that, I just want to encourage you, tell a friend, tell one of our elders, come tell me because I want to celebrate with you. That's an exciting thing. That's an awesome day. You're saved, you're rescued, and you've been brought into a family. And we want to welcome you with open arms. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that we find here today that you will build your church. And Lord, as we, as we set out on this new work, Lord, we want to commit to you today. We want to commit to you that we want to be a church built upon you and your word. We want to be all about Jesus and your word. Lord, help us walk in faithful obedience to you. Give us the strength to continue on when those days are tough, when the days are dark, Lord. Let us follow you. Give us the strength to walk in faithful obedience, Lord, and, and we want to come to you with open arms, 
Lord, we want to crucify whatever preferences, ideas, whatever our desires are, and we want to give them to you. We want, to, we want you to do this work, Lord. Let it not be about us. Let it be all about you, Jesus. We ask all of this in your powerful name. Amen.